the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your conduct is a Christian. Next, on Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. More often than not, your actions speak so loud, people can't hear what you're saying. Our actions do speak what's on our hearts and minds. And that's why it's important to understand that there is a conduct that you and I as Christians should be displaying. Hi there. Welcome to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. Today, we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. It's here that we get this idea of Christian conduct what it means, and what it looks like. With today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing Now, once again, here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Christian conduct. You know, being a Christian is not just about um, us going to heaven. I think one of the things that we fail to realize sometimes as saints is that God is forging something in us that really he wants to display. No one takes a light and puts it under a bushel. We want our light to so, sh- to so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our God and Father who is in heaven. God wants to put you on display. He wants your lifestyle as a saint of God to be on display. He wants people to see you living differently in the earth, which in turn is going to cause people to be drawn to Christ and is going to cause a certain effect, especially on the people that are close to us. Now, all of us are a work in progress. We know God is trying to force this in us. We know what God is doing in us. And so um, we're going to constantly grow in our lives. But it must be our aim to experience Christian conduct and to display it in such a way that blesses people. In the midst of our tough times, our setbacks, stuff that happens, things that come up, our heart and our mind should be, God, I want you to forge your character and likeness in me so that I have an impact on my environment. You know, some people say that we're, we, should, we shouldn't, you know, we show our Christianity by how we live, not just what we say. And some people say, well, we need to say, it's not about what you live. Well, the bottom line is, is both. God wants us to say the right things and live the right way. Amen? He wants us to say the right things and live the right way. This is what God is looking for in our lives. So in Romans chapter 12, we see God, through Apostle Paul, really highlighting um, a lifestyle of sacrifices, verses on one on down to two. You see that he tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. I mean, we come to Christ and our job is to lay down our lives to Christ. And this is our reasonable service. It's the right thing to do when we take into consideration what God has done for us. My job is to lay down my life for you because you laid down your life for me. 
And I am called to be a living sacrifice. And then he begins to talk about serving God and how we've lived and given our lives and sacrificed our lives for Christ. But now we want to serve him with the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us. We want to be useful to God. So Apostle Paul gives into this. And then he closes out chapter 12 by talking about Christian conduct. And there's different things that he's going to highlight here. Many things he's going to highlight here that I just want to examine and take a good look at. Because for all of us, it's something that we should long to see happen in our lives. You know, you know some people think that you know, walking with God becomes real hard. You know, it, it becomes hard to the degree that you're not willing to give up your life. Makes Christianity so hard is when people refuse to just surrender. You know, it's easy to talk about it, but when God says, okay, will you surrender your life over? Will you give your life over to me in this area? Now, there's maybe some areas we give our life over, but God is looking for total surrender in our lives. And out of that surrender, something begins to blossom in us that is not something that you put on. It just begins to come out of you. And it makes Christianity easy because now I'm just maturing into this instead of me having to to remember to do this based on the fact that I know God's word says I should do it. Christianity isn't just about remembrance. It's about becoming something. And this, what he highlights, is what begins to come out of of our spirit. He says in verse 9, look at this. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. This is what he's telling the church at Rome. He's saying, let this, let your love be without hypocrisy or pretense. Let it be unfeigned. Let your love be genuine. Let it be real. Let it be true. Let it be sincere. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Pretense, unfeigned, genuine, real, True, sincere. This is where it all starts. I think in our walk with Christ, when I love for God and for people, it should be without hypocrisy. We're not pretending. This word is tied to the word acting. Hip, hip, hypocrisy is about acting. We're displaying something that we're really not. And I think for us, when it comes to our love for God and our love for people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, it should be without hypocrisy, without pretense, unfeigned, it should, be, it should be genuine, real, true. Since God wants us to have a love that is pure for people. That no, no matter how you treat me, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to treat you the way that I should treat you. And the love of God should flow through me to you. This is the lifestyle that God wants us to have. And he, this is one of the things that he says. Let love be without hypocrisy. We don't want any of this. And then he says, abhor what is evil. He says, cling to what is good. This is powerful. The word abhor there is a powerful word that literally means to hate it. It means to hate something that's evil. I look right here in the Greek and it says it here. It says to hate, to detest with horror. It's amazing. When you think about evil, do we hate evil? When we see evil... 
This should be our lifestyle. It should begin to flow out of us when we see injustice, when we see children being treated wrong, and we see people dying, being killed, and we see wickedness prevailing in the land. We should never rejoice in evil. We should abhor evil. And it's something that should just spring out of our spirit. And Apostle Paul is dealing with it. And you got to remember, this is, he's, he's saying this to the church at Rome. We know about the Roman games, and we've, we've heard about, and we've seen, you know, just turn on the History Channel and see how detestable things were at that particular time in which he's writing this. And for him to step up and say this, he's really trying to make a point here that this is something that you got to hate. And I think for us as Christians, it's something that we have to learn to hate when it comes to evil. There's nothing wrong with us abhorring evil. That, you know what, I hate that. That is not right. In the sight of God. And, and having a passionate desire to see people come out of a, a position like that. He says right here, and I like this here. This is very good. He says in verse 10. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another. He says, with brotherly love. Now this word kindly affectionate in the, in the Greek, this is actually one Greek word. Kindly affection, affectionate is one Greek word, and I love this. This word here, it is, it, it is tied to the word friendship, but this one I really like. A natural family love or tender affection. When your baby comes out of the womb, there is a natural family love and tender affection that you have for that child. You see this when couples first, first get married. There is a natural affection and tender. There's, there's something that is growing. And I think for us as saints, now they should always have this. But what happens is, over time, people begin to lose their first love and forget what God has really brought them together for. But it is a natural family love or tender affection. Loving with that natural affection that characterizes members of the same family. And so for us as saints, this is what God is telling us. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. He's telling this church this. How do we really love the people in our church? He's saying this to the church. He's just not saying this to the family. But how do we really love the people that God has brought into our lives through the church? Do we have a, a tender affection for the people that God has brought? People that aren't perfect. That don't have it all together. That are trying to get their lives together. Some have come from you know, various backgrounds and situations, upbringings, cultures, uh, mindsets, doctrinal positions. You know, do we have an affection and a, a tender affection for the people that are in life? And I, I say this even from a doctrinal standpoint because you know, one of my closest friends in ministry is a pastor in this area by the name of Bob Evans. And he pastors his church. He's a great man of God. I love him. You know, in his darkest hour, and I'll just share this with you guys. You know, in his, one of his darkest hours, uh, you know, we had a chance to display some, some real tender moments together when he was going through a storm. And uh, one of the things that I purpose in my heart, because we both love God, his style of ministry may be different than mine. His style of preaching may be different than mine. Um, we may not all, we may not agree totally on everything in terms. But you know what? Our relationship is not just built just on 
that, although our doctrinal positions are, are very similar, but we've never sat down and just had a big, long discussion on doctrine. I just love him. I just love him. I'm not asking him if he speaks in tongues or not. Or Does he love God? Yes. Is he walking with God? Yeah, I love him. I love him. We love. And you just learn to love people and remove some of the stumbling blocks that really shouldn't be stumbling blocks when you look at what Christ is really looking for. And that is, do you love the person? Now, there are times when you're going to have to address those issues, and we should. But even when it comes to people in the church, sometimes we, we, we get so segregated based on the fact that somebody believes in speaking in tongues and somebody doesn't. Speaking in tongues isn't what's getting you to heaven. Can I have an amen? And we look at what's, what the name on the door and say, well, I can't fellowship with them because they're Baptist or they're Bapticostal. Or they're this. I mean, do they love God? Are they walking with God? Are they, I mean, get to know a person. Sometimes you'll find out that what you believe, they do believe. If you just went beyond with the, the sticker on the door. But this has to be something that we long for. And that is to be kindly affectionate. Because whether we like it or not, you love God. You've been born again. We're a part of the same family. Can I have an amen? And we have to learn to be tender and affectionate with people and learn to love people beyond just their position. It says, look at this in verse 10. He says, in honor, giving preference to one another. I love this. Everybody in this room should get the sense, if we're really displaying Christian character, that somebody else is trying to build you up. Just imagine if every person in the church builds each other up or gives honor to someone else. Instead of seeking honor... We're giving honor. Think about that. Instead of us seeking honor, we're giving honor. Instead of seeking position, we're trying to push somebody else in the position. Instead of seeking a title, we're just trying to acknowledge and push somebody else's title. I mean, this is a lifestyle that we begin to develop as Christians. And it becomes a family atmosphere when we realize that God's looking for us as the church of God to give honor Giving in honor, giving preference to one another. In honoring, giving preference. I'm preferring you above myself. I'm honoring you above myself. I'm choosing you above myself. I'm allowing you to sit in the seat that I wanted to sit in. You can have the parking space. Can I have an amen in here? That you can go to the bathroom first. It's real quiet up in here. I know. Because this is what happens though, Elder Scotty. And honor giving preference to this person above myself. This is Christian care. In the marriage, giving honor to your spouse above yourself. We learn to do this and it becomes a lifestyle that's attractive to people that are all around us. Look what it says here in verse 11. It says, not lagging in diligent. Diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, not lacking in diligence. This, this here says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It means don't be lazy when it comes to diligence. It says, do not be lazy. That's what it's tied to, this word. Not lagging or lazy in diligence, fervent in spirit. He says, serving the Lord. I think sometimes in life, you know, I'm dealing with this even in my, my own personal life, is that You know, I never want to get to a place, even though I'm doing a lot, I know in certain areas where God is saying, son, you can do more in this particular area of your life. Don't be lazy in this area. Get up. 
Be fervent in spirit. You're serving the Lord. Don't be slothful. Come on, let's go. Get up a little earlier. Start getting your day going. Let's go. Don't shut down so late. Can I have an amen? And so what happens is God prods us and pushes us like this. We have to learn to respond because God is trying to produce something in our life in terms of our Christian conduct that's going to be a blessing to somebody else. Look what it says here in verse 12. He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. He says, rejoicing in hope. You know, when it comes to a favorable, confident expectation, we got to learn as saints to, to rejoice in what we see God going to do. Hope is a favorable, confident expectation. When we have a favorable, confident expectation, it should cause us to rejoice and in that, and for us as saints, we got to do this. You know, sometimes we allow our circumstances or our situations to throw such a wet blanket on us that we won't even rejoice anymore over what we see God getting ready to do. See, we're so worried about where we're at that we don't take time to, to think about where God is taking us and to start rejoicing. Start praising God. The children of Israel began to rejoice about the walls of Jericho coming down before they even start coming down. They rejoiced in hope. Can I have an amen? When I start praising God, and I'm believing God, because God told me this was going to happen, so I might as well start praising Him now. Can I have an amen? Well, this is what happened. Rejoice in hope. It becomes a lifestyle for us. I'm believing God. I've learned just to say, man, I'm believing God. God has brought you and I through too much to not believe Him anymore. Man, I've had too many, I've, I've, I've won too many battles by trusting God. There's no way I'm going to stop trusting God now. I might as well just start praising him right now. Well, this is the mindset that we have. Amen. I've seen, I've seen him come through. How many times has he got to come through before we start really believing him? Man, he gave us the fishes. He gave us the loaves. He's going to do it again. He split the Red Sea. I mean, what else do we need him to do? But what happens is we got to learn to rejoice in hope. Well, through our relationship with God, we learn to start living like this, and it has an effect on people around us. He says patience in tribulation. He's telling this church to be patient when it comes to tribulation. Sometimes tribulation is going to hit your life. And if we don't panic during tribulation, but we're patient during tribulation, God always comes through on the other side. I said this before. Patience is a power position. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. If you can wait on the Lord and be patient, God will begin to renew your strength. It becomes a power position. And so we have to learn to be patient in tribulation. If you're in a plane and you start going through some turbulence, the worst thing you can do is panic, hyperventilate, run around. Ah, we're going to die. But this is what happens. We start experiencing tribulation. The best thing that we can do is be patient. Rest in the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Know God's going to see you through it. God is faithful to perform in your life. You know that you're not going to die before God says it's time for you to die. That plane's not going down unless God says it's going down. So you might as well sit back, put your buckle, buckle your seatbelt and say, this is going to pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Can I have an Amen. This is, the, this is the mindset that we got to have. The place not going down. The devil is a liar. I'm not done with my purpose. I'm getting ready to get to where I've got to go. 
Now, it's going to be some tribulation. Yeah, we're going to have some trouble. It's going to be some rockiness. But we're going to get to where we need to go. Well, that's the mindset that we have to develop as Christians. And as we do this, God is faithful. He says, continuing steadfastly in prayer. This is a lifestyle, a prayer. And saints, prayer isn't just us closing ourselves in a closet. I want to say this to you. One of the things that I'm learning in life that, that prayer becomes a lifestyle. And really, it is a matter of you, because all prayer is, is communicating with God. Does God have access to your spirit at all times to communicate to you? Think about what I'm saying now. You can be, a, you can be in a, does God have access to my spirit to communicate with me at all times, no matter where I'm at? I could be at a grocery store. I could be football practice. Whatever it is, does God have access at all times? Is my spirit open to God? Am I conscious of God, aware of God? You know, we need to close ourselves away in our closets and pray and seek God. We need times like this every day. We need to spend time with God. God needs to. But at some point in time, you take your prayer closet with you. Your prayer closet is with you. You're in a business meeting and the spirit of God, bam. I have, I'm, I'm, I can communicate with God. I'm not limited to just hearing from God when I run off to my prayer closet that I can hear from God. Well, this is a lifestyle. And he says here very clearly that we should be individuals that continue steadfastly in, in prayer. He says in verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints. Distributing to the needs of the saints. I think within our ability, we should be a blessing to somebody else that has need. Last year we dealt with this. I mean, how can we be a blessing to touch other people when they have need? For years in this church, we've done this. We have a saints relief fund. And to the best of our ability, we try to be a blessing to people who have need. We have an outreach facility that supplies groceries to people and clothing. Things of that nature. We want to try to do the best that we can. And all of us as saints, we want to distribute to the needs of the saints. This is a church that's coming together as a community and being a blessing. He says not only that, he says given to hospitality. Think about this. Do we invite people to our house? You can come over. We, you know, I don't know. Them folks can't come over my house. I don't want nobody on my couch. I don't know them folks. Well, get to know them. Given the hospitality. I mean, this is a lifestyle. When you're given the hospitality, people can come over, hang out, talk with you. You know, how you doing? I mean, what, what we got to hide we're not hoarders, are we? Because that's an unclean spirit. Now we've got to get the unclean spirit out of our house. But what happens is, now we're given a hospitality that my heart is open. This is God's house. God blessed it. You know, come on in. Let's have a good time, whatever it is. I mean, we have to learn to do this because this is a lifestyle. Look at verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. It's a lifestyle. Bless and do not curse. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we won't literally curse people but we'll we'll rejoice when we find out something did happen to them oh praise the lord oh see oh the lord oh praise god oh i'm so sorry that that happened to them you know i was praying that god was you know be merciful but i guess he didn't want to listen to me now he said bless people are going to do things to us people curse god all the time they 
talk about his name. You could be anywhere. People use, um, you know, God's name in vain. They use the name of Jesus in vain. You know, maybe some of you in this room, before you gave your life to Christ, you did the same thing. But at the end of the day, we've got to learn to bless those. God turns around and blesses people. Even though they despitefully use him, he turns around and blesses them. Now, God ultimately is going to deal with them in the end. But our job as Christians is to make sure we don't get, we don't use, get infected by the same poison that's coming at us. You're listening to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. As we close out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening and this program is encouraging you on a daily basis. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to us. By phone, of course, and that number is 925-292-7800. Again, 925-292-7800. Or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Neeson Drive. Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. And obviously, you're welcome to join us on our website, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net, and you can email us from that website as well. Now, as you visit our website, we do have other resource materials available, our online store, past sermons are available, as well as a COVID-19 update. While we would normally invite you to join us here on campus for worship services, at least until May 1st, we're not able to do that. So what we would invite you to do is join us online. Now, there are three ways you can do that. You can either visit our church app, and if you don't have that on your smartphone or your tablet, you're more than welcome to visit your favorite store and download it for free. Or go to our website, again, thewellchurch.net. Or visit our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030 in the morning. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And remember to be faithful during this challenging time with your giving. You can give online through our website, through the church app, or by mail to the church office. And we're praying and standing on His truth during this time and remembering God is in control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you again for spending time with us here today on Times of Refreshing. Until next time, God bless. God bless.